Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Well, the weather outside is scary, and mom is awful hairy. And here's your cousin Larry. Let it Q? Jesus, I thought you were the Kool-Aid man for like five seconds. You know, okay, compliment accepted, but you busted right through the door. You're going to have to pay for that. I will not. Okay, one, also, I will not pay for it because you you know why I'm here. You know why I'm covered in dirt. And you know why I've just walked about 10 miles. Yes. By the way, are you hungry? I have mashed potatoes. We're setting up my family is here, so it's, you know. I'm starving. uh, Sorry to interrupt your family dinner. You know what? I probably should have called beforehand. I thought about it. It would have been nice. Okay, so, you know, after the You did destroy my mom's front door, so. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, Sorry. Sorry, Mrs. Q. Um, uh, It's okay, Joey. You've always been my favorite. (laughs) <laughs> it's good to see you too, Mama Q. Um, so You're such a handsome boy. I wish you would have taken a shower before you came over. I I apologize. I should have taken a shower. Ma, you know, but no, we're talking. No, she, your son Q buried me in a box, and then I had to dig my way out and hike ten miles. Mama Q, I'm sorry. I came here. I was mad. You know what? I reacted. I overreacted. You, Q, uh, you, I, boy, you boys are crazy. I love you both. That's so cute. Playing you burying games. Mom! Stop! No... So, anyway, sorry. So, Q, I think I owe you an apology. Um, no, I, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Apology accepted. Okay, cool. Uh, but you know what? Having having said that, I am very hungry. Now, I know I'm interrupting a family dinner, but do you mind yeah. if I kind of grab you no, know, something you come, before come on I head in. out? Absolutely. If you would, wash your hands, though. They are very dirty and okay, a little okay. bloody. Did you, like, claw? Oh yeah, like through no, no. the. W- oh, got it. Well, okay. at first I tried to do the uh, the the um, Kill Bill, you know, like one inch knuckle. punch. Yeah, but man, not good at that. So then I just started like clawing and pulling and stuff. So um, okay, so now my hands are clean. I don't have any fingernails, Perfect. but I'm gonna touch all the food. Great, I appreciate um, that. But do, do you mind like if I just kind of mingle among your family? Yeah, absolutely. While I'm Go some out, food? have fun. My family's here. Relax. You're part of the family, basically. And, you know, oh. we're just going to have a good time. I've got to go in here and check on this turkey. All right. So you just you just relax. All right. Well, all right. Um, oh, hey, Mama Q. It's so good to see you again. I know we were shouting earlier, but, man, you are you have always been like a second mother to me. Joey, listen. First off, I'm sorry for anything that Q does to you. He does it out of love. I can't tell you how many times he buried his stepdad. It's just what he does. He likes people. Also, did you know that I was from New Jersey? 
I was wondering about that because the last time I met you, you were not at all from New Jersey. It's crazy. But, but I was hoping to speak with, with Q's stepdad. Is he around? Yeah, he's right over here. Mark! 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 Mark, it's so good to see you. Uh, hey there. Hey there, Joe. You um, sound listen. a lot like Q, Mark. It's weird that you guys are step-related. Listen, um, first off, I don't like that little asshole. Never <laughs> liked him. I've been buried 17 times. 17 times, Joe. You know what I was, I'm saying? Well, 17! <laughs> Honestly, I was glad to see you here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get some food uh, over. Listen, over. don't let him near you anymore. Cut him out of your life. He's garbage. I've been trying to convince his mother to send him to boarding school since he was two. All right, all right, Mark with a Q at the end. Um, I'm going to go get some food at the table. Um, okay, so... All right, all right, we'll see you later. All right, so, all right, I just need to move her. Oh, hey, it's little cousin Kimmy. Uh, Kimmy with a Q, obviously, at the beginning. Um, uh, hi. Hi, cousin Kimmy. How, how old are you now? I can't tell. I'm Threvin. <laughs> You're Threvin? I'm going to go talk to somebody else. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right. All right. Cousin Kimmy. Get out of here. Get out of here. Q, it's good to see you again. Did, oh you, did you get all your family errands done? I'm talking, oh I was talking to some of your family. Joey, you're so gullible. That was just me wearing a bunch of different wigs. Everybody knows my family left me 25 years ago. I knew it. You know what? <laughs> Looking around here, I'm actually realizing that you've just recreated the Christmas party from Home Alone. Yeah, look, I got Michael, Michael Jordan on a train set. <laughs> and there's a, a mannequin on a Roomba. Yeah. You know exactly. what? I should have put... And they all just have masks of you, and then over that, you've drawn other people's faces. It's like being John Malkovich Why Inception. Why wouldn't you just printed off different faces? This is the way it has to be. Why did you be. print off a bunch of faces of you and disguise them? <laughs> this is the way it has to be. This is family to me, okay? I don't come over to your house and judge your perfect family with your children and your mom and your daddy and all of these people that love you for your entire life, okay? <laughs> Listen, you come here, you make fun of my Michael my Michael Jordan poster, you make fun of my mannequin on a Roomba, you make fun of all my mask-wearing family with slightly different faces drawn over my face, okay? Everybody does family different. Representation for all nations? I don't know. At least that New feels Jersey. Right. Yes, definitely New Jersey, though. You know what? Well, since it's just us, and since you've made all of this food, you want to actually just sit down and talk about what family means? Joey, have you still not realized that this food is also just pictures of food with my face drawn on top of it? It's not still real looks, food. Still looks delicious, man. I appreciate that. Let's talk family. High five. Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. All right. Now we've high five. Now it's time for family discussions. Yeah. We're sitting around the dinner table. We have some croissants with just Q. They're just pictures of Q rolled up with, like, honey drizzle on them, and they called yep. them croissants. Q-sants? Yeah. 
Uh, there's a cuserol, which is just oh. a bunch of layers of cues faced with cheese in between. It's like a lasagna. <laughs> it, it's like a lasagna. But we call it a cuserol. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, what else those... we got? Keep going. <laughs> uh, we've hey, got, we got um... some Qdoba <laughs> catered. <laughs> well, that... <coughs> we've got mud? <laughs> what? It was, what, what do you mean, Qdoba? Kudo- Qdoba, the restaurant, Qdoba. No, just the whole restaurant's here? <laughs> yeah, I said For... we got it catered. <laughs> Cuters. Where? Barbecue. <laughs> we got it. <clears throat> Tweet in with your other Q named food. <laughs> uh, Hashtag the, Q food. Everybody go to uh, the Project Hyphen Nerd website. Those are our benevolent overlords. And just like spam email them as much as possible with all of your Q named feuds. Or Hashtag foods. Q's giving. <laughs> yes, that's what we want for Project Nerd. Project Nerd wants it too. They just don't know it yet. They'll love it. So as many Q-pun foods as you can think of, just email Project Hyphen Nerd. And honestly, just one item per email. (laughs) Don't send them a list. Just like individual emails with a single item. And then, you know what? Even better, go to at, is it at Project Nerd on Twitter? I think so. And just tweeted them. We know you have, how many characters do you have on Twitter? 240 now. All right. We know you have 240. You only need like seven or eight. Just. You only need seven or eight. (laughs) Individually tweet at Project Nerd uh, all of your Q renamed food items. Hashtag Q's giving. Right. And they'll love it. Just flood. All of their social media. I think it, it's it is at Project Nerd. My computer's at having uh, trouble pulling it up, but Perfect. yeah, I think that's it. At I love Nerd. this. I love this. They're gonna love it too. Yep. So thanks, Project Nerd. Happy <laughs> Q's giving to you. <laughs> oh man, Q, it's been, it is good to see you. Even though I've been buried for about a week. Yeah, it's good to see you too. I'm gonna be honest. So two things. One, you look great. Thank you. I lost like, a lot of weight. <laughs> I feel like it. Being underground treated you well. You, you look, know, yeah. You look svelte. Thank you, thank you. You're I'm welcome. actually, I'm thinking of starting a gym with the theme. Uh-huh. It's going to be similar to hot box yoga, but it's going to be called death box yoga. And uh-huh. I just bury you. And if you get out, you have one a new appreciation for life, and True. two, you're thinner and you've burned a lot of calories. But if you don't get out, I still get your money. Yeah, everybody knows that I am a staunch follower of the jigsaw method, as it's called. <laughs> yes, you. Yes, you, there are some people that pertain to Zumba. We right. prefer the jigsaw method, right? Which involves putting you through horrendous <laughs> actions, which li- will hope to correct your beha- your poor behavior pattern. Listen, I, I I've actually been the problem with the jigsaw method, and this is what no one's been able to crack. And Q, I think that you and I can do this. Sure. The nut to crack about the jigsaw method is it's incredibly expensive. Um, oh, it's so true. It, there's, it's like very cost prohibitive because you've got to buy the traps. Uh, there's engineering costs. You've got to buy CAD modeling software. Like it's a whole thing. And so it gets very cost prohibitive. But I think if we do it in a very structured, smart way, uh, we could we could be rich. Yeah, we're working on it. So far, we've invested because like right now, Deathbox Yoga, dollars. Uh, Deathbox Yoga. I just need like coffins and holes right. and time. How, how much have we made so far on that three point four mil investment? Oh, the, um, uh, 
Uh, so our episode today is about film families. I like talking about something else besides that $3.4 million investment. I'll get back to you on the death yoga, on the well, death box it, yoga. It's actually more appropriate because we did collect all, we, we raised all that money from our family members. So, yes, from your family members. Which is why I have a house full of no one. Exactly. Which is, uh, I, but I did, I did, uh, Enjoy meeting your thirteen-year-old <laughs> cousin Kimmy. Kimmy, yeah, yeah. She's a little, she's a little weird. Um, she lived in a bunker for like ten years. She got kidnapped by a religious radical. I was about to say, was it you? You like to bury people, apparently. No, um, she actually had her own TV show for a while. Kimmy, Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, with a Q, but Kimmy with a Q. The right. Netflix version is a is a remake. Right. I was this hoping the you Netflix would just be like, Q, are you modeling all of your family members <laughs> off television? Yes, I was raised by television, Jay. Exactly. I love it. I think I, I know exactly where we're going. Um, but, you know, speaking of family, Q, why are we here today? We wanted to do something that was thematic for the holidays. I mean, last week we talked about very secluded uh, you know, people buried in boxes and people stuck at pianos and people stuck in phone booths. And this, you know, it's still it's still the holiday season. Yeah, and you're still, still have stuck because this one is stuck with families. No, this one is top five cinematic families. I now, love it. Question. Does top five cinematic families mean the best looking family in cinema like that. Wow. What a cinematic family. What a or, beautiful looking family. <laughs> or does it mean the top five best depictions? And by best, I don't necessarily mean like the best family or the most functional family. Like a good, like not necessarily like upstanding families. Sure. More just like best enjoyment gathered from watching their various exploits families exactly exactly see i actually struggled with this when we decided on this topic uh one of my first thoughts was well geez what do we mean by best like is it the most like the families that i would most want to be a part of you know because i because that could i could make an argument for like something like you know the parkers like from a christmas story i kind of would totally love to be part of their family like, they have a really good sure. family, it seems. Or, you know, like the Adams family. I'd like to be part of the Adams family. They'd be cool. But I wouldn't necessarily want to be, like, part cookie. of the Tenenbaums or something. So I kept it to, and not kept it to, but when I thought about the subject matter for this episode, I thought the most iconic families. Okay. So for me, it was families that re that when I think of a movie – where I think of a story, the whole family is what comes to mind. Right. Not necessarily an individual character. Right. Okay. Okay. See, I like that. I like sort of relegating it to um, most iconic film families. Um, because, because, yeah, like, I, there could be a whole other episode of the families I would want to be a part of the most. But that's not necessarily going to be the most cinematic sure. families. Sure. And for me, it was, you know, I grew up watching movies. I'll throw out an example to, to just kind of kick start our conversation here. Um, one of the families that I am most familiar with is the McAllister family. Oh, um, Home Alone. Yeah, we've been watching that a ton because um, 
because uh, E really, really likes that movie. And it's and how could she not, right? It's hilarious. It's heartfelt. It tells a time-old tale of, you know, uh, the grass always seems greener on the other side, but it turns out that you really fucking miss your family when they disappear. <laughs> I know. I miss you, family. Um, it's okay, you. <laughs> we're here for you. <laughs> I'm um, still just you doing for um, but in all seriousness, the McAllister family was one of the first like representations for me of like a dysfunctional cinematic family. Yes. Because I mean, right off of, of the rip in the movie, like right at the, at the beginning, you get just this snapshot of this family that is in like perpetual chaos. It like, is so all chaotic. The, all the brothers and sisters and cousins are running around. They're all yelling at each other. Everybody's making fun of everybody. You have the uncle and aunt there. You have the parents there. Which, everybody... okay, I have to pause. Uncle Frank is literally the worst human being on the planet. For sure. He calls Kevin a little jerk. Okay, one, yes. He calls him a little jerk. That That's just... What do you do when you're calling a seven-year-old a little jerk? <laughs> like, in his face, like, lean down, like, you're just a little jerk. What do you think you're doing, you look at you little jerk? Right. But then, but then later in the movie, and again, I, I know this because we've watched this about ten times in the last week because E is uh, obsessed with it. Sure. But when, when they're in France, Catherine O'Hara... And John Hurd are like freaking out as any parents would. You're like, sure, can, of course. Can, can talk to someone with English. You know, I need to find my son. Where's my son? Do you have him? Uncle Frank is walking around with a tray of shrimp. Like, do 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 do. Hey, everybody, <laughs> you want some shrimp? Yeah, do do do. My nephew's probably dead. Eat some starfish, but do but. It's just he's the worst. He is the worst. He is. And the then in the sequel, he is openly laughing at. Kevin being mocked in front of the whole school. Oh, yeah. And then in front of the family later is like, yeah, uh, poor taste, but it was pretty gosh darn funny. It's like, Uncle Frank, are you freaking serious? Yeah, he turns out he just really hates Kevin. And he's getting two free vacations. That dude is a huge mooch. He is a huge mooch. I hate, I hate Uncle Frank. That's a high five aside. I hate Uncle Frank. Can we have a t-shirt that's just Uncle Frank's face and it just says, I hate Uncle Frank? And on the back it says, not a cool jerk. Yeah, not a cool jerk. Now you're cooking Frankie! <laughs> All right. Yeah, I've that, seen this movie too many times. That movie but, made me want to talk boy so bad. Oh, I had to talk boy. Did you? I was lucky enough to have it. I got one for Christmas one year and it was... Uh, do you I mean, it was terrible. Do you remember they put out a girl talk, a talk girl? And it was and just it was, pink? It was pink and purple. Don't <laughs> it you, was, man? You just love the 90s, don't you? It was just legitimately the exact same toy, but, I, but that was the purple. Thing. And they're like, yeah, but now it's for girls. All of them did that. Like, He-Man did that. They're like, oh, we need a girl. So She-Ra, I guess. You know? <laughs> or, uh, we've uh, Actually, it's weird. Okay. So, quick aside, but I want to actually wanted to bring this up with you today. We've been binge-watching a show over the Thanksgiving break on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. Oh, Have yes. you watched? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I've finished it. I'm about to move on to The Movies That Made That's Us. That's what – we've binged that as well. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. There so. is an episode on Home Alone. I did see that. And we watched it last night, and it's wonderful. Those are That's like my new favorite show right now. It's is so it a, is it wonderfully a great show? Done. Is it like – 
the toys it's, that made us? It's the exact same thing, except they have more interviews with people, but they still do like the weird jump cuts. It's still kind of like an Adult Swim internet version of a documentary show. Is um, it? Is it still like? Because you know, one of the things I read in an article, not about that show, but in general, um, I think the producer was talking about the difficulty of making it, but he said that. Nowadays, you have every movie that gets made has so much bonus content that right. is also made alongside of it. So, like making of documentaries and all this. He said one of the hard things to do was to offer something fresh and new that hasn't already been packaged with all of these DVDs. Did you find that it gave you new insight or stories about how things were made that maybe you didn't know? There was a there were a lot of there was a lot of stuff in on the show that I didn't know. Let me put it that way. Okay. Now I also haven't gone back and watched all the bonus footage on Home Alone in <laughs> right. the past. So what about Ghostbusters though? That was one that I was like, we did we did watch the new? Ghostbusters one. Yes, it does. It did. Um, one of the things that was most interesting in the Ghostbusters one is that is how much problem how many problems they had with the studio to get it made. And one of the problems was is the name Ghostbusters was taken sure. by an old cartoon show that was owned by Filmation that uh -huh. is the fam same people who made Hercules or, um, sure. or He-Man. Okay. But they refused to change the name of the, of the show, and they refused to give up the rights to the name. Sure. And so the head of, I think, I forget, it was Columbia or wherever they were first – was arguing with Filmation to get the name, but they had to basically shoot every scene twice with Ghostbusters and then also Ghost Breakers. Oh, Ghost Breakers was going to be the alternate yes. title? Yeah, and they had to film every scene twice to in order Weird. to cover them. But what ended up happening was, um, uh, I think it was, I want to say Columbia Pictures. I'll just go with that. It's wrong, I think. But the owner of, the head of Columbia Pictures while they were making Ghostbusters, Coca-Cola bought Columbia Pictures and then wanted to, wanted to get rid of Ghostbusters. But, what? But the guy that was the head of the studio wouldn't let them. But then he got fired and went over to Touchstone or Warner Brothers, and the Warner Brothers owned Filmation. So then he just made them give the name over to the movie. Uh, amazing. Also, welcome to the movies that made us the po podcast. Post-show podcast. <laughs> but anyway, you'll love it. The Home, Al Home Alone episode is wonderful. A lot of studio back and forth that was really cool. But even if it's information I've heard, it's told in a way that's very enjoyable because it's condensed into like a good 45 minutes and it's just great. Nice. If now, you like the toys that made us, you'll like the movies. Oh, I definitely 100% like the toys that made us. Um, so to get kind of back on the family train here. But yes, the McAllisters, they talk a lot about that family. And, and you're right. But the thing about the McAllisters is I think it took me until I was an adult watching those movies to truly understand the dynamics of that family. Because when you first watch it as a kid, they're like, how many kids does this family have? Exactly. Well, okay. So Haley and I recently rewatched uh, Home Alone, like very recently, like a week ago. And we had this conversation of neither one of us had we had seen this movie a million times, but neither one of us was sure 
how any of the family members other than Uncle Frank were related. Like <laughs> other than well, because Uncle Frank stands out. Did you look it up? Because I've done this exact I did. same rabbit hole. I did. I went and I was like, who are Kevin McAllister's brothers and sisters? Were you as surprised as I was to find out that one of the kids in the house is not either of the kid of the family's yes. daughter, is that she's the daughter of the brother that's in France? Yes. <laughs> Where you were also surprised to find yes. that out just like yes, I, because that in my never mind I'm like clarified in the movie ever. Right, that's such a strange like it, it just feels like an unnecessary but maybe not. It 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 gives them a, a reason to go to France. That's but it's the thing. Also a layering that makes it feel more like a family, if I'm being honest. It brings yeah. it back around because that is how it is. Oftentimes at family functions, you've got like such strangely removed cousins and You're right. I don't know. I, and I've even been at family gatherings sometimes and been like, I don't know who that person is. I know they're related to me, right. but I have no idea. Who well, and that's are. kind of, I mean, it's a funny thing. And John Hughes is kind of a, a, a brilliant writer for doing it this way, but it doesn't matter. Like it matters, but it doesn't matter. Like if you look hard enough at the story, it logistically makes sense. So John Hughes is in the clear for coverage. Sure. But when you're watching it, it doesn't matter because they're all just this, here's the family, they're over here, and Kevin's over here. Right. That's all that matters. That's literally the only part of it that makes any now, difference. Can I ask you a question in regards to this family? Maybe you had a different family dynamic. Did you ever go on vacations with your cousins? That was not something that we did. Like, it was vacations were never extended family. It was... Um, we had we had like variations of it. Um, it was never exactly like it was in this. Right uh, now, I did have family friends who did this sort of stuff. That like, would like ev get every year they would take a family vacation, and it was like their reunion. Oh, okay. So because what we would do is the whole family would like we'd all go to Gatlinburg or we'd all go up to my grandparents' house in Ohio, and sure. everyone would gather in a single location. Sure, but it was never like, from... we're going to take a family trip to Paris. Yeah. Well, but this one, that's the thing. This makes sense because had did you look into the backstory of why they're going to Paris? No. It's because that daughter's there. Oh. The brother. Is, is who... the, do they talk about this in the in the movies that made us too? No, they don't. I've just looked oh, okay. this up in the past because I've gone down this rabbit hole. Because I've been it. very confused about the McAllister brood for a while. <laughs> so here's what's going on. Uh, 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 John Hurd McAllister, the uh -huh. dad, daddy McAllister, he's brothers with Frank and then another brother who we never see. Sure. That's who the brother who lives in New York. Got it. That New York brother was transferred to France. Okay. <clears throat> That's why he's not in New York for the second movie. Got it. He lives in France, but their daughter who was in school finished out the school year and lived with like the friends McCallus. and family and extended oh. family. And then the father, the brother who is a big wig in this company in France was paying, <laughs> was paying for the whole family to come spend Christmas with him so he could get his daughter back and she would have family to travel with her to oh, France. My God, that actually explains so much because often I have also wondered what the fuck did this family do that they can afford all this shit? Like, that this is, is another question. But that house alone that Daddy McAllister has, that, that question's still up in the air, by the way. Sure. That house is huge. It is gigantic. I mean, you're, 
yes, the family was chaotic, but you're housing like 11 people in your house. And right. there's still like people still have their own bedrooms. <laughs> speaking speaking of this, this is a, an int- I'll just drop this in a tidbit from the movies that made a show. Did you know the entirety of that movie is filmed on the interior of a house that they built inside a high school? No, but that's And it's sounds- the high school from The Breakfast Club and from um like Pretty in Pink. No, that's awesome. John Hughes owns that high school or owned it. What? It was an abandoned high school that he owned and filmed a bunch of his movies at and they didn't have a studio, so they just built the house interiors in the school because the gym ceiling was high enough to fit an entire house. That's amazing. And the flooded out basement they built in the swimming pool. Oh my god, stop telling me things. It's so great, though. I want to watch it. Um, so the McAllisters, definitely one of the families that, that jumped to mind. Now, okay, another so one we can... I want to do an op- a complete opposite flip side. Big family, but not really wholesome and together, but also iconic. The first, the very first one I wrote down was the Corleones. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, again, I know coming out of the gate, heavy hitters, but when I think of movie families, movie legacy families... Sure. I mean, the Godfather and the Godfather series of movies is iconic, but the Corleones, it's so based around that family. And the second movie is the history of the family and the extension of the family. The first movie is about the dissolution and the death of most and the of the third family. family is when your son disappoints you and you disown them from the family. And the, yes, and the, <laughs> yes, that's what the third one is. And then your daughter is uh, is in the movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Corleones, <laughs> man, that's that's a that's a good pull. But that's uh, the thing the, is they're also I mean, when you're a kid, you get it that Fredo and um, Sonny and uh, Al Pacino are brothers. But I never really gathered, especially early on watching The Godfather, how distant Al Pacino had been from the family. Very. Because very, like he was very. off at war. Like this, the, the, the fact that he was in soldier garb at the beginning didn't resonate with me as much when I was a kid watching it in the 90s as it would have with an adult watching it in the 70s. Sure, 100%. Because it, I just didn't make that connection. I was like, oh, he's just, I don't know, dressed like a soldier, I guess. Not that he had been disconnected from this very tight-knit secretive family for years. Sure, he had gone away. As a peacekeeper, I mean? which is in direct opposition to what they were doing. Exactly. No, it's it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, that family 100%. I mean, that cuz I I almost hesitate to even I know you said a very dysfunctional family, but I I don't know, part of me I mean, outside feels of Fredo, like they're not. They're actually out- a very like tight-knit loving. Oh yeah. Family. Like family is everything. Take you know the cannoli, I mean? you know. It's it's it, and it is. And even the people that aren't blood related are part of the family. It's, sure. You know, and like I said, really outside of Fredo, no one's a whole lot of there's not a lot a whole lot of betraying going on. No, for sure. But boy, does that hit even harder, though, the with Fredo. I know. You know what I mean? Uh, like I that's knew it was, I knew it was you. But that's but that's what makes it. Like, that's a gut punch even more because set yeah. against the backdrop of this very tight-knit, intense family, yeah. that makes that betrayal that much larger. Well, and, and to talk – and I know we've talked about this in the past and even actually before we started recording, we reference movies that do this. But that's one of the reasons that Godfather 2 is such a triumph of a film is it does – you know, it, not only is it a good movie, which you want all sequels to be – Sure. But its existence makes the first one stronger. 
unlike part three. <laughs> unlike part – well, yes. I mean, especially unlike part three. But, like, part one, you know, you have this family and you see the, the betrayal. But in the second one, you see where that family, like, came from. Came from. And you see how difficult it was to build and how much their their togetherness was a part of their success. Exactly. And so it just makes it so much it oh. informs it informs the first one. Yeah. And it makes it better. And I love I love movies that especially sequels that can do that. Can we so if we're talking about families that, you know, dysfunctional families or strange depictions of families, you mentioned it very briefly at the beginning, but what about the Tenenbaums? I they were they were like the third family that yeah. I wrote down when I thought of when you pitch this topic sure i wrote corleone's i wrote another one that we'll get to later and i wrote the tenenbaums yep so the tenenbaums are a they are the height of dysfunction right i mean outside of like something maybe like dog tooth (laughs) right yeah i mean these families and such unique characters wes anderson has a way of um like really distilling characters down to like their essence, almost caricature level, but somehow still serious. Does that make well, sense? Like no, they I know don't exactly become cartoon mean. characters, but they are kind of like walking cartoon characters. That well, that is one of the most. That's the one of the things I appreciate the most about Wes Anderson movies is that they're so. They almost have like a clay around them. It's it's like living stop motion. There's a whimsy to everything that Wes Anderson does, but the level of of granularity or seriousness that is juxtaposed against his you know, like like with um Life Aquatic, you know, sure. it's a very silly looking movie, a very whimsical looking movie, but Bill Murray's quest of like self identification and doubt and is a very conquest like... is very human. It's very hard. You know, even Rushmore. I mean, Rushmore, my goodness, has isn't even as whimsical as a lot of the other ones. Um, but uh, it's just so grounded in those heartfelt, real things like jealousy and longing and want and desire for acceptance. And I mean, look at look at Moonrise Kingdom. Oh I mean, lord. That's a movie dealing with some like very heavy subject matter, but yeah. is also this very like like and that's actually a good and maybe that's why his his hand works so well at stop motion is because it's living stop motion. He makes living stop motion. Right. That's his that are those are his people. So to speak to the family, I mean you've got maybe one of the greatest patriarchs. Oh, of any family in Gene and Hackman being played by one of the patriarch, one of the greatest patriarchs of American cinema, like in general, because obviously we all remember his rousing stand in Welcome to Mooseport, uh, his <laughs> his finale from the acting game, which is his last movie, and it was very sad. Is it really his last movie? That was his. That was his swan song. Welcome to Mooseport Welcome with Ray Romano was the great grand Gene Hackman swan song. I don't even know that movie. You don't? No. Is it's, it Ray is, Romano moves to Alaska and then gets into a war with the old mayor or something about him running for new mayor or something, and it's bad <laughs> or something. Uh. That's a real bummer. <laughs> it's gross. Um, but anyway, yes, Gene Hackman. But as here he plays Patriarch Tenenbaum. Yes. 
Well, the is thing it, about it is the this the Tenenbaums, one of the reasons I I it Royal Tenenbaums is one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies because it's almost the it's almost the most painful of his juxtapositions because the whimsy is all in the characters. Right. You know, like well, you, it, yeah, well, I mean, Owen Wilson's character and Ben Stiller's character and I mean Gene Hackman the way that he plays right. Patriarch Tenenbaum, but Roy, Royal, it's his name it's, is Royal. Yeah, his name is Royal Tenenbaum. It's just the way all of the whimsy comes from the characters, but also all of the true harshness comes from the characters and what he's exploring is the way that families mesh and it, it's just. I don't know. It's it's just like a gut punch of a movie when you look at it from a family perspective, but it's so beautifully done and I, very funny. I totally agree. And I mean, you've got these. You're dealing with siblings that are uh, so incredibly uh, juxtaposed to one another. Like right. they're they're all broken characters. Like they're oh, all yeah. broken people. But at the same time, they are all so vastly different from one yes. another. Um, that it's it almost makes like me laugh. the thing about it, and I don't know if you've watched this show, and we haven't watched a lot of it, but this just came to me is if you if you take the Royal Tenenbaums and and just like rip away all of the Wes Anderson ness of it, I think you have that HBO show Succession. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Can I I can I actually use the Royal Tenenbaums as a jumping point to something I know you wanted to talk about? Oh, please do, because I have a couple more, yeah. Because I think there's one here that ta- – this actually gives me a good segue. The Royal Tenenbaums leads me to talk about a movie that I saw recently, which, okay. was, oh. which was Knives Out. Okay, good. Yay, I did want to talk about this, because I haven't seen it yet, and I want to. And involves another family. Um, so here's the deal. Uh Give Ryan us like jo- a give us your like your five, high five five minute review. Uh, okay, so Ryan Johnson and I are beginning to have a bit of a contentious relationship. Uh, oh no! <laughs> yes, so I think I fell in love with Brick. Oh yeah, it's, I it's thought it was masterful. a fantastic movie. It was um, an interesting take on uh, a well worn you know, gumshoe drama yeah. style. It was, like a, film. it was a genre film, but it wasn't. It was, I really loved the brothers bloom. Yep. I really, I won't say loved, but I enjoyed looper. I enjoyed looper bit. very much. A lot of really great ideas in looper. Yep. And executions um, like artistic wise. I have talked about, and I'm kind of like working through his filmography. Yeah. I, I, you know how I feel, and most of our listeners know how I feel about The Last Jedi. Right, and we'll talk about that more as Star Wars season gets closer. And this movie felt more like it was heading back towards Looper territory, like, as far as, like, my enjoyment level. Like, it wasn't Brick. Sure. It was, it, I, I, it's a solid movie. I definitely have some, some issues within it. Now, Um, are the issues story-based, or are they, like... Like cinematography or execution no. based. So the cinematography's fine. It's yeah. it's fine. It felt like it wanted desperately to be a Wes Anderson movie. Oh like, really? Well, just it wanted to walk that line of like cartoon character level characters. Okay, like their reactions to things and the way that they Yeah, just carry kind of themselves. like their yes, like he wants each character to be a caricature. 
You know what I mean? Like right. he wants you to like look at that character and them be like, this iconic. This is the rich, spoiled son. This is the over domineering mother. Right. This is the, you know, very, very much so. So um, wait, did he? Did he kind of uh, keeping with our theme? Make a family archetype. He did of, make like, a family upper that crust. Yes. White political base. I family. will. I will say that that is the best part of the movie. Is I think he successfully recreated a very waspy family. Okay. Um, and the family's the last name is Thromby. Okay. And that sounds, uh, that sounds like someone I wouldn't be able to the, be friends with. The Thrombies. Um, and their uh their father. Why can't I think of his name? Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, thank you. Um, so Christopher Plummer is their father, and the children are Michael Shannon, uh, Tony Collette, um, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Just the caliber of people you just listed right there. Okay, but see, that is a, that is that is actually where I had a problem with this film. It almost, at a certain point, it feels like stunt casting. Like, some of these very big-name actors are used in such menial roles that really? it feels like a look, hey, look at, at all the cameo. names we could fit on our poster you know what i mean like almost like a cameo situation but they put everybody on the front right i like will that, say with that movie 43 that did that exactly and that's kind of what it felt like um so that that was my number one issue with it the second issue and this sucks for a whodunit i figured it out halfway through the movie really and once i figured it out and and I, you figured it out like at a I'm not supposed to have figured this out yet, but I kind of stumbled to it. Yes, definitely. Well, because they it definitely has an end reveal that is supposed to be like a <gasps> whoa uh, Jesus right. It's supposed to be a um uh Perot Perot yeah the detective yeah like, the, um, it's or a, a Sherlock reveal that's yeah. like and this is why and this is da 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 and this is da 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 and then you're like. You're supposed to, you can tell, be like, <gasps> what? Right. But I literally, halfway through the movie, there was a scene, and you may also see, I'm not going to tell you what scene, but a sure. scene happened, and as soon as it happened, I go, oh, I know where they're going with this. Like, I feel I feel it. And as the movie progressed, I kept going, oh, God, I hope. Oh, that falls in line. Oh, I, that, that yep. fits. Oh, God, I hope this is not where they're going. Not because it's a bad reveal, because it's not. It's you not just wanted, a bad You wanted to be surprised, though. I did. I wanted desperately to be surprised. Like, and half of the ha uh, more than half of the fun in a movie like, you know, Murder on the Orient Express isn't the movie. It's not being able to figure out the movie. It's like the yeah. magic trick of the movie. Exactly. And I want Like if that you see the mirror when the magician walks out on stage, the bird reveal isn't as cool. So then I I had a discussion with Haley about it and here is here is my problem though. I don't know that I can accurately review this movie because I don't know if that is a problem with the movie or if that is a problem with me. Because I am so inundated in tropes and like Movies, the structure yeah. of writing. Because did Haley catch on at all? Haley didn't go see it with me. It was just me. Oh, oh so, okay. um, so a part of me is wondering if you will have the same problem. Okay, but someone else, who, like your average layman, sure. may go see it and be like, "That I didn't see that coming at all. That was fucking awesome." You, you know, know what? what? I mean? Let's do this then. I plan on seeing that movie. Okay. So let's in a couple weeks after I've seen it, we can do like a spoiler heavy deep dive into it and maybe even ask some people 
and then bring their responses with us. I would love that. Because honestly, like I said, the, it is not a bad movie. It's a very I've well heard nothing done movie. but good things about it. Yeah, it's a very well done movie. The acting is pretty solid. There are a few clunky performances, sure. but I think that's what happens when you get a a large ensemble right. cast together like this. Sure. Some people are doing performances that are shooting for the fences, and some are just doing like really low key performances. Right. And sometimes those two things butted up against each other. Don't and sometimes Tony Collette's in a scene, and just no one else is as good as her. <laughs> exactly, and. She was pretty great in the movie. I'll tell you who's coming on my radar again lately. Who's really just can I, been killing it with me? Can I ask you? Who, can I? Can I guess who? Yes, it is? please do. Anna de Armas. No. Oh. <laughs> Don Johnson. Oh yeah, he's in Watchmen and he's fantastic. I know, but that's kind of the thing is so like Don Johnson has always in my head he was always this kind of not a joke of an actor, but he was he was a, a silly he was a reference. He was Nash Bridges. He was yeah. you know uh, Miami Vice. Like yeah. he was this very like campy, jokey actor. '80s star. He's but like he, a Chuck Norris. But he first reappeared for me with Django. Yeah, because he was in a, a handful of Quentin Tarantino movies. And I took note, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, Don Johnson's fucking out here killing it, trying to change his image. Yeah. And then, you know, watching him in, in Watchmen, he was fantastic in Watchmen. Yeah. And then now, watching him in this, I'm like, God, he is, like, really good. Like, he is holding up against some of these powerhouse heavy hitter actors. And I will say this, though. Daniel Craig kills it i will watch yeah. 27 movies with daniel craig playing this character really he's like, just that good like if they want to start because his character's name is detective benoit blanc okay so that it's not, also it, kind of sets the tone for what kind of movie you're getting i'm amazing it's a name, direct spoof of then hercule perot for sure it's benoit blanc and he is a southern he is doing the most kentucky fried southern he, accent. he's one you saw logan lucky right yes absolutely. is he doing that yes it's awesome. I love Logan. Um, but he kills it in this. And I'm like, I'll watch 20 yeah. uh, Benoit Blanc mysteries. Yeah, give me a new like, bl And you know, he's going to retire after this new Bond. He can just go straight from Bond to Blanc. Exactly. And I would be so on board with that. Now, to to bring up your person, Anna de Armas, uh, she was great yeah. in this movie. Well, I, I've been taking note of her because, especially after Blade Runner, she was great in Blade Runner, I thought. I and so... Uh, and I know that she's been kind of popping up in more and more things. So um, so I'll give you a rundown of who I thought was the best in this cast. Ooh, I like, I like this because this doesn't spoil anything. No, not at all. So best performances were You don't like even this. have to rank them. Like, who, who's in the top right. tier? Who so are two top, or three that are the top, top tier? Top tier, hands down, Daniel Craig. Okay. Don Johnson. Okay. And Christopher Plummer. Okay. Straight I up. I mean, Christopher Plummer's amazing. Um, he nearly saved that uh, all the money in the world. And then I will tell you this. Bottom rung. We'll just okay. go to bottom rung. How Let's go that? straight. Yeah. Chris Evans. Really? Everyone. Is, I heard everyone talking about how good he was. I didn't think so. I, and maybe once again, maybe that's a me problem. But I'm watching Captain America. Play this like Bruce Wayne douchey playboy role. So you can't disconnect him from Captain I'm America having a really point. hard time disconnecting him. You should go and, watch like some of his indie movies like Needle or whatever he made. And I know, and he's fine, but it's just, I don't know. if I can't stop going, that's Chris Evans. That's yeah. Captain America. That's Chris Evans. That's Captain America. I mean, that's, that's a problem, Chris though. Cause, that's Captain cause, America. And, and I, you know, I don't love this guy, but 
Tom Cruise, like, you know, can always, he's not always Ethan Hunt. He's exactly. always Tom Cruise, but right. he fits into the characters that he plays. And so that was a, that was a problem for me. Um, Michael Shannon was okay. But an okay Michael Shannon is a bad Michael Shannon. Because yeah. Michael Shannon's always at an 11. He's always I, great. He plays a very different kind of character in this movie. Okay. He plays a much more, like, nebbish. Okay, so he's not domineering or angry. I mean, he, or... he is. Yes, he's angry, for sure. Sure. I mean, everybody's angry in the family, it seems And like. Michael Shannon is always angry. Yeah. Like, he's true. always at a mild boil. <laughs> I can just imagine him going up and going, happy birthday <laughs> right he strikes me as what mark ruffalo was talking about as the hulk when he's like the <laughs> trick is, or the secret is i'm always angry that's michael shannon <laughs> that's just michael shannon's acting uh but then i'll talk to you about the people that i thought were totally wasted in okay. this movie like i don't know why you got this caliber of actor to do this okay lakeith stanfield i didn't even know he was in that movie yep do not understand why he's in this movie. Not because he's not great in it, but he is so underused that that is part of the reason it led me to go, well, then this just feels like a let's get this actor for the sake Which of Which Waspy family member was he? He was, He's one of the detectives. Okay. <laughs> so you've got him. Another one that I was disappointed with was... Is uh, he playing his detective character from Death Note? That'd be great. No, but that would have been awesome. He's eating no. candy in the background and that's, the whole time. That's part of the problem here. He's just a really straightforward detective. Wow. And but not even in... like a hard hitting, just kind of like a hey, I'm just the detective. I on bet the scene. he saw the cast or saw the the you know, Ryan Johnson. He's like, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? And and I understand that. But for me, that's wasted. A, that's a negative mark against Ryan Johnson because you shouldn't cast your movie just for that yeah you know but what also i'm saying give people with the ability to do stuff stuff to do right exactly and that and i guess that was my problem and then another one um is Jaden lieber who who was oh he's the kid from um it from it right yeah yeah he's in it um and none of this is spoilers but he plays michael shannon's son okay and, i can see that <laughs> i can see that and he just they he's He's in the movie for a very limited time, and it, sometimes it just feels like, all right, here's your two lines for this Ryan Johnson movie. Right. Oh, that's a Moving bummer. on. And so so that was a bit of a bummer. So to recap, did I enjoy the movie? Yes. Was I disappointed by the fact that I figured out the end early on in the movie? Yes. Do I feel like I would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't? Absolutely. But yeah, so think, when it in in Ryan Johnson categories though it's closer to Looper than it is to either Last Jedi on one end of the spectrum yeah, or it's probably Brick like squarely in between Brothers Bloom and Looper for me. Okay. So okay. It's, it's not it's in the it's, good range. It is in the good range. Good. It's just not in the great range. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh But like the family dynamic. So like kind of like yeah. segueing us back into yeah. Uh, episode topic yeah so so the family dynamic here is very interesting he chooses a uh patriarchal family kind of like uh the royal tenenbaums like we're just discussing and then obviously you know that that patriarch dies right and so you get to see this really interesting examination of like what happens when you cut off the head of a snake interesting you know what i mean like like, and everybody's just kind of left to their own devices. Right. Um, interesting. So I will say that was a very interesting examination through the movie of, like, what do you do? Like, 
it, you have this patriarch that's kind of like holding everything together and what right. happens when that gets removed and all of these characters who are inherently just kind of shitty people right are just suddenly like untethered to just be shitty but not only to whoever around them but to each other you know what i mean interesting so now see now i kind of with that definition i kind of want to see it more now but exactly but that's an interesting depiction because you don't i mean you don't really see a lot of families that do that you know even when godfather the head of the snake is cut off with marlon brando dying sure al pacino had basically already taken over so there was no there's no falling apart and in this there was zero successor so it's basically like yeah, like what it's happens? A, yeah, it's a much more interesting examination of like interesting power struggles within the family. That's you know what I that mean? is very Tenenbaumsy. It very uh, much so. I, I like that. Well, so, I mean, and also like on the complete flip side of that, so that's very patriarchy. Yes. You know, there are other depictions, and uh, this is one that I actually wrote down um, just for us to talk about. But the marches from Little Women. Oh yeah. Okay. Like very iconic family. That's Definitely. been a movie that's been remade three or four times. And I new... think has another one coming out. No, yeah. I think when this episode releases, the Greta Gerwig one will okay. be coming out yeah. either this week or next week. I forget. But, you know, like Emma Thompson and uh, Timothy Chalamet and sure. you know, great cast. But that's another depiction of a family. But that one's very, very matriarch based. Very, it's very, very female based. And, you know, again, Little Women, uh, it's one of Amanda's favorite movies, favorite stories. Sure. Uh, You know, it's fine for me. I think it's good. It's not my go-to. But I will say the depiction of the family is pretty great. Like, it's all based around them falling apart, coming together, falling apart, coming together. Sure. And as cinematic or novel-esque literary family depictions go, pretty strong. I agree 100%. I think it shows, once again, a different a different type of family dynamic because you have kind of your like cartoon character dysfunctional family. Sure. Then you have your like super tight knit, um, you know, mob type families. Right. You have these like very patriarchal driven families who, you know, are all just kind of shitty people. And then I think like the Royal Tenenbaums and like Knives Out. And I think then you get a little women depiction of family. And this one leans more to i think a realistic depiction yes. of family um because you like you said you do have those kind of like come uh you know tearing apart coming together tearing apart coming together like it that feels like the ebb and flow of an actual familial relationship yeah um more so than kind of these cartoon character versions of families that came right. before so i will give little women that it is definitely a very a much more realistic depiction of, I think, of siblings. And yeah, siblings, siblings in particular. Like where Tenenbaums does that really well too. It shows dysfunctional siblings. I think Little Women's almost the opposite of that. It shows functional, very siblings. functional siblings. Right. Now they have their squabbles and they have, you know, their death. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, it's very, again, it's very realistic. It's very, it's a very close knit and believable, and that's what makes that movie. If it works at all, if the story works because of the way they've written that family. I I 100% agree with that. Now, I'm going to make a weird, crazy leap here just for a second because okay. you had mentioned cartoony, and I want to yes. kind of jump on that a little bit because one of I think is interesting is that you can have depictions like Little Women that are very non-cartoony. Sure. But then you can have real-life depictions of families that are very cartoony like the Griswolds. 
Absolutely. Like, and I was super hoping you'd talk to them. They're, they're one of my favorite. Uh, when I was making my list mentally, they were Griswold's was number one for they me. Were, they when, were number two. So I wrote Corleone, Griswold, and then yeah. McAllister. Or, when or Tenenbaum. Because when I think the Griswold's, I think, and I actually had a really lengthy discussion with Haley about this yesterday. Uh, I think the Griswolds are a pitch perfect caricature of a uh, caricature of the American family circa 1980, 80, like 85 to 96. Right. They were like. Ex- if if the New Yorker could release a cartoon of what an American family would look like, I feel like it would be the Griswolds. And it's perfect that it's a national lampoon because it is a yes. perfect lampoon. It's a satire of what a family dynamic is. I mean, The Simpsons is basically the same dynamic. Oh, yeah. It is. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, All in the Family was basically the same dynamic. You know yes. what I mean? Like, it's this very put upon. But beautiful wife, right? With this dolt, idiot, loudmouth, married with children. Don't forget that of one. a husband. Oh, absolutely. With a, either a sarcastic or dis a disaffected boy, right? And a spiteful teenage daughter. Exactly, and that's the family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was funny up, because National Lampoon's basically was making a satire of a family road trip movie. But what they created was the Griswolds, which is a satire of an, a family. Uh, greed, 100 percent. And agreed. that's why the rest of the movies work like you can have family vacation and that movie can work because it's a funny satire of a road movie. But the Griswolds being a satire of a family, you can then take that nugget and you just put family in European vacation, exactly. Las Vegas vacation, Christmas vacation, Hawaiian vacation. Here's Christmas this vacation family too. dealing with all of these very and normal circumstances. Christmas vacation stands out as a gem to me just because what better outside of a road trip where you're all trapped in a car together, what better family representation of strife can you get than a joint family Christmas? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, Krampus tried to do that as well, where they're (laughs) like, look at what it feels like to be trapped with people that you don't necessarily love, but you're all trying to celebrate this, this holiday and Adam Scott and Adam Scott. Um, But I think the Griswolds are a perfect example too. And you know, this is something that Haley brought up to me, which was, the Griswolds are a family that could not and probably no, not probably could not, but definitely will not be depicted in today's age. Like, no, it, like it is such a um, time capsule in a way yes. that like it is very representative of that time period. But now with the Me Too movement and uh, PC culture being a little more intensified, that is such a strange thing that I feel like cannot exist today. They even tried to do it with uh, Vacation. With I was going to say the reboot even changed the family dynamic with and Ed tried Helms to do, and when tried to and tried to do that different because the thing about it is the idea of a almost habitual adulterer. <laughs> Sure, that like every constantly, movie. That constantly puts his family in danger for selfish gains isn't inherently funny today because we actually take pause at those activities now. 
Exactly. And also, like, you have, I mean, look at the relationship with his wife. I mean, yeah. she is, like I said. And she's put, Beverly D'Angelo. She's beautiful. Put upon doesn't even, and understanding and caring. Yeah. Her husband is a raging asshole. And but like, they, and they write it in a way, though, that they, she knows he desperately loves her, but we never get to see any of those moments. For sure. And it's so, but, but I feel like that is a family depiction that, that doesn't exist. It can yeah. only work. I think in if if you were to try to depict a family like that now, the only way that I think Vacation could have worked would would probably have been for it to be a full on remake and set it in the eighties. Either set it in the eighties or make Clark the villain. Right, because like I think Clark has to be the one to learn something, not the other way around. Exactly, and I feel like trying to update it and make it current yet still hold on to some of those kind of tropes, yeah. I think just doesn't work. And so for me, that's an interesting version of a family that only existed in a yeah. specific period of time. Well, and to put it in context, for like for anyone listening who can't really follow that train of thought, which you should be able to, but Home Alone came out at about the same time. You could easily take the McAllisters as they were in 92 and put yep. them in a movie today, and no one would bat an eye, everyone would be fine. Right. But you cannot do that with the vacation movies. The family dynamic just would come off as heinous. Right. The the Griswolds are not a family that can exist right. today. Now, I want to kind of take an, a, a, a major leap, kind of flipping this on its head, because now we're talking about real people that are cartoony and therefore connected as a family. I sure. want to flip it as – I want to talk about a cartoon family that almost, in my opinion, is more realistic dynamic-wise – than the Griswolds, which are real people, but the Pars from The Incredibles. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, they were like a, one of the names that immediately came to mind when I was thinking of iconic families. Sure. Is the way that those characters are written is so good. Like, outside of the fact that they have superpowers. Sure. But it's almost that iconic, you know, put-upon husband. He's been fired from his superhero job, but he's working at in an insurance company. You know, a supportive wife a sarcastic, speedy, chatterbox son. son, and then a, this one is a gloomy, but still, you know, disaffected youth, teenage daughter, and they made it work, and their powers uh, align with, you know, their characters. Who they are. It, it's just, it. everything about it works as a family dynamic, and I think that was the incredible strongest choice, was they didn't make it about Bob Parr. They Not. made it about the whole family. I totally agree. Um, I will say that, um, watching that family felt like a, uh, pastiche of all of the families that you know and love for movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was an homage. It was exactly like you said in that it's as if you took the Griswolds and stripped away all the questionable things, but still kept <laughs> At the core right. of what their family dynamic was. You kind of put it in a um, all-of-the-family time period. Because ultimately, Bob Parr is Griswold, Clark Griswold, in the sense that like he is cheating on his wife, but he's cheating on his wife with his ideals of who he could be. Right. You know what I mean? Which is... which. 
while bad, is far less questionable far than less actual question- adultery. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like him being like, oh, yeah, you may be Elastigirl, but over there's Bendy Woman. And he's like, he's not, looking pretty he's not banging Moonbeam on Volcanic Island. Right. Instead, he's just like in love of this concept of who he could have been had mm-hmm. he not had his family role kind of situation. Which... What you just said is so deep for a Pixar movie. For sure. And, and then that's they, what's beautiful about it. In Incredibles 2 is basically Incredibles 1, but flipped. You yeah. know what I mean? You yes. essentially get that same dynamic through Elastigirl. Yeah. And she's talking about how, man, it would have been nice not to just be a mom all the time and to have gotten to be like realize the the full right. potential of who I am and or be in the spotlight like right. not be second to anybody right um so that is a very interesting depiction and examination of family and and, and they're more newer so like i think eventually they will be iconic and i think sure. you know in my mind they are but sure. you know they haven't had as much time as like a corleone or a McAllister family to kind of build up that steam yeah, 100% agreed. Um, and then uh, I would like to talk about, since we're talking about animated families, um, maybe one of my best or one of my favorite depictions of a uh, two gay dads, like a uh, depiction of family, uh-huh. is Monsters Incorporated. Uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> if you view that movie through the dynamic of these two, like like a gay couple and their child, it's actually really endearing. You now, have I'm not to strip s- out. The, you have to strip out the Mike Wazowski has a girlfriend and Jennifer Tilly element. Well, let's let's be honest because that really is a non-factor in the movie itself. <laughs> it is. It's it more just gives played. Them a setting at a sushi restaurant. It's more played for a joke, but let's be honest. Mike Wazowski and Sully are way more close and tight, and are jointly parenting this child. It's it's true, and Sully's kind of a bear. Exactly, exactly. Big old and, hairy guy. And, you know, let's let's be honest. It's all a big dick reference. I mean, you've got Mike Wazowski is literally a one-eyed monster. He's a- <laughs> <coughs> yep. You know what I mean? So, hot take, Monsters, really, Inc. is actually about two gay dads. But I mean it very genuinely. And no, but I mean, they, it is like them, you know... Uh, Taking in this child, learning to incorporate with their life, learning values, benefits, care. And not just the whole human, but, like, there's actually a love for a child, like, that's depicted in that movie that is fantastic. Because you go through all of the emotions of, like, now you've suddenly got this thing that appears very burdensome to your life. And at first you're like, God, I wish I didn't have... This because I could be doing all these other fun things and it feels like it kind of comes in and like a wrecking ball and like right. destroys things. But then you realize that it's actually through that tearing down of your current life state that you find what like something really stronger, matters to something you better. Exactly. And so then you get this beautiful moment where at the end, it's not so much about it's it's a parent's journey in every sense of the word. It's not so much about like protecting them and sheltering them for ev- from ev- for everything it's about staying connected to your child yeah. but letting your child be who they are and live their life she goes back through her door at the end of that movie it's true. and they they allow her but they are still there they're still her family and they still love her you know what i mean and so and keep i know the, the wood piece i know you were not thinking a That's deep dive on thinking. monsters inc would be coming 
but um, if you really look at it through that perspective, when I was thinking about, I these dig movies, that perspective of that movie. I think it's a really beautiful family movie, a non-traditional family, but a family nonetheless. Yeah, and that, it's, you know what? And actually, this is where I thought you were going, but this is a perfect segue. Non-traditional family, Adam's family. Oh my God, definitely. I mean, we've got that new... Have you seen the new movie, by the way? Absolutely not. Neither have I. I've heard not great things about it. It I do li- didn't I, look great. I do like pretty much everybody in it. Sure. I but, wish they would have just made a live-action version with those actors. Yeah, that... Ooh. If I could see a, cool. a live-action Oscar Isaacs as, as Gomez Adams... I think he would look fantastic. Yeah, and honestly, a live-action Nick Kroll in the makeup from Christopher Lloyd. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I could get on board with the, all Charlize Theron. The as, thing is, I could see it as a prequel, Adam's Family, of how Morgana and Gomez meet. Oh, yes. Yes. like Oscar Isaac as a younger uh, Gomez, Gomez and yeah. uh, uh, Charlize Theron as a younger and Morgana. Morticia. 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 Yeah, um, and then Nick Kroll in the makeup as a younger Fester. Fester, yeah. Honestly, like, I, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. I feel like it, they were casting people who work visually, and it's like that's weird. Why are you doing that for like this yeah. animated movie? Like, oh, God, man. give me that movie. Oh man, see now a Chloe now Grace mad. Moretz as, as Wendy as Wednesday, Wednesday, and then and then you get uh, Finn Wolfhard as. Pugsley? Like, that sounds weird, and I'm into it. Like, Make him like I a thin Pugsley. That's what I'm saying. Like, Make him like a gangly Pugsley. And his jo- the joke is his name is, his like, Pugsley. Pugsley, like a pug, but he's yeah. not at all. He's actually, like, thin and wiry. Oh, missed the bull. Oh, I need this movie now. That's what I'm saying. This like, is a huge missed opportunity. I feel like Huge that, missed opportunity. If I, if I would see all these things in the movie, like, in the trailer, I would be so <laughs> on board for this movie. Oh man. Well now I'm just sh- bummed. I know. See? Sad. That's why every time I saw that trailer I was like, well this makes me sad. Well, okay, well let's go back to the the Adams family that we like yes. though. Like as a depiction of a family, especially as you said, a non uh traditional traditional family. Well, to be fair, they are still a traditional family. That's what I, well yeah, that's true. In that definition, but in the flip, you know, like normal <sighs> because definition. they're they're mysterious and ooky. They're mm-hmm. mysterious and ooky and kooky. And altogether and, kooky. And altogether kooky. But yeah. that, one of the things I love about the Adams Family is that it's such a – everything about it is gothic and dark, but the family aspect of it is perfect, where everybody sure. else is dysfunctional. I agree 100%. Um, I mean, you think about it, this that trope has been seen a couple times. You also – on television, you had the Munsters, which you is essentially the, yeah. the Adams Family. Right. Um, everyone else around them is crazy. But they, to them, being monsters, they still they're the close, totally the closest knit family. I mean, you even get that in the animated version now with Hotel Transylvania. That's it's true. essentially the same, the same yep. kind of vibe. You know, this like, oh look, we're a monster family, but we have normal, normal. Well, we're the normal uh, family. Ones and everybody else is is exactly. crazy. Um, I do like that. I think. Like when it comes when I think iconic film families like they sure. come to mind because they've not only had this remake but they've got their two original movies and then just a lifetime of existence before that. Sure, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, and it's it's a it is an interesting dynamic because in this you have the uncle that lives in the house, you have uh, the grandmother who lives right. there, um, 
And then Cousin, you have cousins visiting all the time. Cousins visiting all the time. Um, it is an interesting take on it, but you still have kind of those tropes that we had talked about before. Of it's the the patriarch with the with the wife. They're with not the put bravado. Upon, They're not put upon, but he is. You know, I did like the dynamic that that was the first dyna- or description that I ever saw. Like a man who was madly in love with his wife, and that's what I think. And that's what defines him as a character. Yes, that's what's so beautifully wonderful about Gomez. Right, is that he is not, he is quite the opposite of a Clark Griswold in the sense that this dude literally, you know, pines for his wife every day. Like, she is his driving motivation. So it's no longer this, like, put-upon wife dealing with this oafish husband. And not even that, like, and... Even more than that, Morticia is written in a way where she deserves it. Right. She is a fantastic mother. She is a fantastic mother. She loves and is honorable to Gomez, but she loves him as much as he loves her. But she is elegant and high class and strong and powerful and earns it. I think, honestly, it was um, seeing the Adams family and understanding the Adams family dynamic, it was the first time that I ever saw depicted an equal partnership family. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like Gomez or Morticia were more head of that family. I would say they mm-hmm. were interchangeable. They could both they could both make the decisions. They both held the they same were amount a of partnership. power. They were a true partnership. And I feel like that sets Adam's family aside from the other families that we've discussed from almost anybody like even the Incredibles where they both have superpowers it's still Mr. Incredibles movie the Adam's family is just a really interesting dynamic in general ultimately and we can kind of cap the conversation with that right in uh depicting a equal partnership relationship right um, which is not something up to this point that we have really discussed. We've discussed well, matriarchy. We've discussed patriarchy. We've discussed a like dysfunctional. We've discussed functional. And now we've cartoon e- live action mob boss partnership. Legal. I feel like we've kind of covered all the different types of families so much so that I think we are at a point where we could make a definitive top five cinematic families list. I am ready. I've eaten the stuffing that is basically just cue your face all mashed up together. Yeah. The quaffing. What did um, you think? Uh, it, it, you know, it tasted like paper and cheese. Got I'll it. Could you use salt? Yeah. Qualt. Okay. Some qualt. <laughs> it's like little pictures of you on every grain of salt. Yeah. It's terrifying that you went <laughs> to that much trouble for it. It's so. Uh, um, but yes. yeah, you know what? I'm I am ready to list. All right. Let's list. This is where we make a list. The list. List. So yeah, let's make this list, man. Let's talk about families. All right. So we've talked kind of across the board. Let me just throw out one for like a catbird seat to see where you think on the list they may be. Okay. The Griswolds. Who? High. Top. In my mind, like top comedic family. Like big comedic family. Lot of series of movies. I'm thinking, for me, it feels like a two. They're not right, quite so one, but they're a two. Let's put them at two for now. Let's see if anybody uh, dethrones them. Can I throw one out just because our it's one of the last ones that we talked about, but I I genuinely felt so good about it. Um, can we 
can we put the Adams family on there somewhere? Yes, I would say below the Griswolds, though. So, four? so right now three. Let's just put them at three and three? see if they okay. if they move. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. So I'm gonna throw out one, and it, you know, kind of the elephant in the room. I'm gonna say the Corleones probably top. Okay, I am gonna disagree with that. I will put you. I will. I will see your Corleones, and I will give you a two spot. Okay, so I just pushes... don't feel like they're the best example of a family in cinema. And they're definitely, for me, not the most famous. Like, they're not the ones, when I think family, I don't immediately go, oh, the Corleones. You're like Fast and Furious all the I way. say like, oh, the Griswolds. Yeah, I mean, oh, you're- the McAllisters. You're, you're not wrong. Oh, the McAllisters. Yeah, that's what I'm okay. saying. So, okay, McAllisters, above or below Griswolds? Uh, below Griswold's. Above or below Adam's family? Ooh. That's where it gets tough, right? Me. I'm going to say be above. Uh, I'm Are you going to say below? I'm going to say below, but I'll tell you why. Okay. I think the Adam's family is a better, like, meta representation of society's culture, and the McAllister's is just a really nice family from a movie I like. Oh, so I think the Adam's family that. has some more, like, depth behind it. I think that's fair. That is, I think that is a very fair examination of... And that's not taking anything away from the McAllisters. They're a wonderful family, but they're not, like, sure. representing a, a message about society that I can cling on to. Sure. Except that they're and forgetful the Adams of their children. the Adams family never left Kevin at home on vacation. They didn't. Well, so. they've, they've left, you know, both Wendy and Pugsley at a summer camp. Which sure. was kind of torturous, but also pretty good. It was a good experience for them. And, but intentional. Like, they it sent was, them that, to well, summer camp. They didn't camp. forget they were they there. They didn't That's just, true. like, visit the summer camp and leave them there. I don't, think, I don't think the Adams family has ever forgotten anyone in their family. No, they love each other. They love each other. Even the hand. Example. Like, exactly. the hand, which would be so easy to lose. Like, it, so it can't, easy. It can't speak. It can't see. <laughs> it gets stuck under. It's like a Roomba. It gets, like, stuck under a couch, and you're like, where's the thing? Jesus, it, we got to go. You know what? Fuck it. Thing, we'll see you later. He's just like <laughs> running into the wall under the couch. He's like trying to get out, but he can't fit under. <laughs> like I said, like a Roomba. Exactly. Thing, um, the Roomba of the Adams family. So what do we got then? So right now we've got the McAllisters, so, the Adams family, the Griswolds, and the Corleones. We, now we talked about the marches from Little Women. Yep. Do they push anybody up or down off the list? Replace anybody? Um, okay, if I'm I'm fine with them being on the list, but personally, I'd want it to be towards the bottom only because I don't like. I know it's of not that your family, favorite movie, and but same I for don't me. love it. No, same for me. I just think you know they're they're one that has stood the test of time. They're no, getting I, remade again. I think that's valid. Um, so do we? I would yeah, say they'd be like a strong number five for me. Uh, okay, I'll replace the McAllisters with the Marches. We're at least sticking with an M. I'm okay with that. Yep. So that leaves number one, and we've talked about a handful of like we've mentioned the Pars from Incredibles, the Parkers from A Christmas Care, or a Christmas Story. I'm gonna say for me, my personal favorite is the uh, Tenenbaums. Yeah, I do love the Tenenbaums. I think that is a really good one, but I will. And because so much of that movie focuses around their family, right? I will push back, and I'm going to give you a little bit of run for your money on this one. No. I'm going to throw, because I didn't even think about it earlier, but you brought it up, and I thought it was such a great representation, the pars from The Incredibles. I really thought that they were an 
awesome dynamic family of a family of like yeah. they're like they're like that kind of lampooning of the American family that the Griswolds are, but minus the like lewd and crassness. Yeah. Well, you know and, what I mean? Well, and, you know, sticking with the themes we were talking about before, that movie is not only showing a family, but it is inherently about their family. Exactly. So that is why I think it can compete. And I feel like with the Royal Tenenbaums, because the Royal Tenenbaums have that those same facets. Right. And we don't really See, have that kind of like, well, I guess the McAllisters are kind of that quintessential family. Well, they got knocked off by the Marches. Oh, that's right. So the Griswolds would be sort of that nuclear family that everyone's familiar with, but they're incredibly dysfunctional. Okay, I'll go with the Royal Tenenbaums, A, because I do think it's a fantastic de- depiction of family, but also because it does represent another yet another type of family yeah now let me ask because i as soon as you said the pars i kind of glommed onto it and you know how much i love that's my favorite pixar movie Mm -hmm. so do you think the pars replace anybody on the list right now i'll read you what the list is it's five the marches four the adams family three the griswolds two the corleones and one the tenenbaums I want I d- the pars to be on it, but I can't justify taking I anybody. I don't off. think we can lose anybody because they all represent such disparate, different types, types of family. And like, yet they're all like family is a core part of what that movie is. Absolutely, as well. but they are all great representations of the many yeah. facets that yeah. family takes. I think. I think we. Yeah, uh, we have to lock this in, and then like an honorable mention for the pars. Yes. All right. Hard locked in. Hard locked in. That's a good list. I actually I I like the way that we catbird seeded it. I want to do that again. All right. I'm into it. Also, I this list is so good. This definitely won't be the reason I get disowned by my family. <laughs> I hope not. But honestly, it won't be. the fact it's all is, of the other things I do. But you're but the fact I mean your mom is a wonderful lady. I've talked, I've talked with her for hours. Oh, thanks, Jay. You're so cute and sweet and beautiful and handsome and stupid and an idiot and asshole and the worst podcast co-host on the face of the planet. That's why I love you, Mrs. Q. You're so honest and you sound so much like Adam Sandler. Mom, get out of here. Bring the pot out. Where's your, my stepfather? <laughs> that is a great way to end it. That's yep. amazing. You Where, you hit that hard, dude. Jerry Jerry Seinfeld would be impressed. You boom. hit it hard. What's the deal with airplane food, guys? <laughs> Take that, Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> You're amazing. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? 
or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on Twitter at high the number five the podcast Instagram at high five the podcast or on letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher google play or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love what's the worst that could happen selective fatigue syndrome maybe see you next week and that's a wrap everybody cut casper that's a wrap cut printed what happened to the next reel cut Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.